Good morning, you all. Just a little Southern lingo for our friends on the Southeast Coast. Welcome to our broadcast today. This is George Watkins, <clears throat> and we are happy in Christ. The joyful rejoicing <laughs> that we are saved and born again and loving God and growing in Christ. Okay. Wednesday's a good day to rejoice because we've got two more days of the week to go. And I want to talk about the two most influential men in history. In doing so, I'm going to remind most of you of what you have read in the book of Romans and what you have learned through your growth in Christ. But it's good to be remembered again about how the development of God's plan has unfolded. Now, if you're new to our broadcast, thank you for coming by. Stay around a while. God always has a purpose for bumping you along. <laughs> if you didn't plan, thank you for stopping by. Okay, we are <clears throat> focused this week on uh, <clears throat> the kingdom of God that has to do with the unfolding revelation of Jesus Christ. I was born again as a child, <clears throat> and my early training were childhood child child stories or <laughs> stories to children because I was one. So they were simplified flannel graft with the little figures they'd move along they'd tell us about bible stories well bible stories as i grew in the lord began to turn into uh, bible revelation or i would not just see the history of a particular story but i would begin to see past the actions of those historic figures into why god put them and moved them and brought them to where they were for what purpose we know some of them that are more well known david moses abraham all those you know those ones that made a pivotal difference in the uh, unfolding of history the two men that we're talking about tonight are adam and jesus and i just want to take a couple of minutes to refresh the picture that I'm drawing, the verbal picture. And I want you to see that number one, Adam had a command and a purpose. And he had a he had a future. God said in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and I want to make mankind in our image. <clears throat> now what that meant was they were going to have the attributes of God. We have so many of them that are obvious and probably more that I don't know about that are below the surface, as it were. For instance, we have the power to re to procreate. We have the power to multiply. We have the power to speak and think um, and command and dream. All those things are a godlike power. Now, because of that, Adam was given rule and he had a he had a direction or a com a commandment. He said, "I want, I want these men and women, this mankind set, to dominate, rule, multiply, fill the earth." So, it was a gardening experience for Adam and Eve because they were in a place 
in the in, called Eden in God's garden. So God evidently had a back garden somewhere. <laughs> in our human pictures, we try to draw it out, but it's impossible to think like that. But somewhere in that garden that God had was a place called Eden, and that's that was the connection point between heaven and earth. That's where God met Adam, just like God met, met Abraham in the door of the tent. That was a supernatural uh, portal, as it were, or as they, they might say nowadays, a, um, you know, a black hole or something. You go through a threshold. Now, God met Adam there, and Adam interchanged and interacted with God for we don't know how long. There's no time record of how long the earth was really in existence, <clears throat> interacting with Adam, God interacting with Adam, Adam doing what he was called to do, all those things, until the day that he committed high treason and sold out the human race to the enemy by the, by the taking of the forbidden tree. Now, they've made it up to be an apple, but I don't believe it was. It just was a forbidden tree two trees in the garden. Now he was driven out. And what happened was that when, when that took place, then the virus of sin bit into the generations of men. And the scripture says all men became cut off and <clears throat> out of sync with God's plan. They, they became what the, the uh, theologians and calls Sinners, sinners. You know, there's an interesting thought about sinners. Um, when Jesus talked about the lost, which would be considered sinners, I've always, I've preached for hundreds of times, I suppose, on the prodigal son. We call him a backslider because he was out there sinning and doing, spending his money on wild, wild living and licentious things okay but the three items that they use that christ uses in those story forms those parables or story forms was the lost coin the lost sheep and the lost son all three of these still belong to somebody the sheep belonged to the shepherd the coin belonged to the gal that lost it and the son still was a son they were not gone. They were just out of sync. They were out of connection. They were disconnected from the father. Now, the second man, Adam, is Jesus Christ. He's called that in the scriptures, the second man, Adam. Now, <clears throat> there's a statement on the cross when Jesus says, just before he gives his spirit to the father, it is finished. What was finished? Wasn't the... Uh, it wasn't the cross and the resurrection. He hadn't ascended to the Father. The blood hadn't been taken to the Father yet. He hadn't gone into hell and rose again yet. But he said it was finished. Now, what was finished was the first thing Jesus' priority was to fulfill all of Adam's covenant. And he did it by healing the sick and raising the dead and feeding the 5,000 and, and uh, revealing the Father, revealing God the Father to this to a generation that had not seen him. 
That generation had not heard a prophetic word for 400 years. That's a dry spell. <laughs> you think your church has had a dry spell 400 years without the voice of God. Okay. Well, that sequence of events then, from the time Jesus ministered the first time until he was on the cross, he fulfilled Adam's covenant. The covenant Christ had was to take it from there to bring us back to righteousness. Now, in the uh, fifth chapter of Romans, and I've been massaging the um, mere Bible for a few months, so you know that. In the fifth chapter of Romans, it says here in the, uh, in the 18th verse, the conclusion is clear. It took just one offense to condemn mankind one act of righteousness declares the same mankind innocent. Think about it for a moment now. The theologians and our understanding of Bible truth, we believe that when Adam sinned, all men caught the virus and all men sinned. You're born in sin. If you don't come to Christ, you die in sin. That's, pretty, that's a pretty hard thing. But this verse really tells me that if that happened, and we believe it did, that all men were sinners or cut off or separated, aliens, as Paul says, from the commonwealth of Israel. Then the next verse says, one man brought them all back to innocence. Now, was that just the disciples? Was it just the 3,000 first convert crowd that came in? Was it uh, the 120 that followed Jesus? Or was it the, uh, you know, the ones that, Paul, that they baptized in the New Testament? Or does it say something different than that about how wonderfully, overwhelmingly, <laughs> Staggeringly, that's that's a big word for this morning. That this happening that Jesus did on the cross and resurrection brought innocence back to everyone. All right. Well, the question is then: Does that mean everybody's saved? Blindness is upon Israel. Paul said that. He said he's he's praying and, ho and waiting for the blindness to be taken off so they'll see the Messiah. The gospel brings us the answer, and it's Jesus to take away our blindness to the fact that God has already forgiven mankind, and, it, and Jesus absorbed all the judgment on the cross. It was absorbed into him. He took the judgment of mankind on him, as well as the sicknesses and diseases and all the sins on him. So that left us as uncondemned. We're not condemned in the sight of God. There is therefore now no condemnation. That means it. God is not pointing a finger at anyone, saint or sinner. No matter what kind of air you're breathing, God brought innocence to all mankind.
Well, does that mean all mankind are godly and righteous? Again, let me repeat. When blindness is upon the eyes and deafness is upon the heart, they do not know their condition has already been taken care of. Because Jesus said, if you believe on me, you will have everlasting life. Now, what is that? When we believe on Jesus, our blindness and our deafness comes off and we see what Jesus has already done for us. And because of that, we receive that life and live in that life called salvation. <laughs> well, chew on that for a bit on a Wednesday morning. I tell you, most of the things I bring up are usually something that needs to be studied to see if it be so. <laughs> Amen. Well, live the life of joy because you are innocent. God redeemed you and you are innocent. And Jesus has taken your guilt and left you free. Wow. So don't let the devil rob you. Don't let his lies confuse you. Don't come under any sort of condemnation because Jesus took it all. Praise God. All right. Well, we'll see you in the morning. Don't forget, if you haven't subscribed, thank you for that. It's big help. And those that pray and give a financial gift are certainly blessed or they're certainly a blessing to us. And we bless you back. Amen. We will see you in the morning. It's going to be a good day all day long. And we'll see you then. Until then, stay true.